All right, folks, it's the nightcap edition of the Nobody Likes Casey McLean podcast. I am sitting on my couch drinking water, trying to ease. I'm not trying, I'm not doing a dry January, but I am trying to, trying to get some shit done in my life, you know? And uh, here's my dog. My dog has joined the podcast. You have anything to say? Nothing. She's got nothing. Uh, I'll just be petting my dog the entire podcast, it would seem. Um, This dog, by the way, she yesterday got out of our yard. She hasn't done this in like almost three years probably where we actually bought this thing. I was about to sell it. I was literally yesterday like, I wonder if I could sell that thing because when we first got her, she jumped our fence like three times in a year. Very athletic dog. Uh, Elaine Bennis, the dog on Instagram, if you want to see some pictures. Very athletic dog, and she jumped our fence uh, three times in the first year. And I bought this thing called like a dog guard or some shit like that. It's like a fence extension so that she couldn't jump our fence, and then theoretically we could still see past. Um, see past it, see you know, out onto our street or whatever, and, uh, and then she, the only other time she jumped over, I watched her do it, and she was chasing a squirrel or something like that, and then yesterday, Lainey, lay down, her name's Lainey, she goes by Elaine Bennis the dog, but she's named after Elaine Bennis, we call her Lainey, Lainey, lay down, hey, hey, you're embarrassing me on this podcast, lay down, lay down, thank you, so, Anyways, yesterday, uh, she's not getting a whole bunch of time outside right now because it's very wet. She doesn't really want to be out there very much usually when it's wet and cold. So yesterday, she's uh, I send her out. She goes, pisses, does her whatever, um, does a couple laps around the house, patrols the grounds, and uh, she is sitting on the porch like waiting to come in and I go I was like nah give her a couple more minutes let's let's you know let her get a couple more minutes outside she needs it and then a couple minutes go by and I go out to to grab her and uh go out to let her in and what do you know can't find this dog walk all the way around my house can't find this dog nowhere to be found every now and then this will happen where she's just doing laps around the house at about the same speed as me, and she's on the opposite side of the house, and I'll go looking for her, and what I'll find is that she actually is in the yard. We've just been doing laps around our ha- my house uh, at the same speed with too much distance between us. As I'm doing this yesterday, I come into my house, and I'm like to my wife, I go, I think I can't find Lainey. Like, this is weird. And... uh at that moment, I get a call on my phone from a number I don't recognize, and I'm like, oh, fuck. This is, because the other thing is I have my phone set so that if you if you call me and I don't have your number saved, it'll just go straight to voicemail. Typically, these are like robocalls, but in this circumstance, I call these people back, and they do have my dog, which is good. I mean, we have a couple of precautions for her because she's got this... Uh, this flighty tendency, although we thought, I mean, like I said, it had been almost three years, uh, maybe almost two years since it had happened. So we were, we were getting pretty cocky and, uh, 
Yeah, then she uh, she runs away. We've had, let's see, these are the, one time she walked into the kitchen of a restaurant. On our street, she, uh, she uh, whenever she's gotten out, she stayed on our square block, which is interesting to me. Um, one time she walked into a restaurant. Another time she was uh, in a bank or in like a, a, yeah, like a parking lot of a, is it a bank? No, it's just like a parking lot of a, this business that's uh, near us. Um, and then most of the time, you know, like what actually one time I will say, uh, a dude, when we first got her, this dude that worked at a weed store, uh, found her. He like found her and then took her into his work, which was so nice. We've been very lucky. That's actually three times that people have. She's gotten out of our yard. She's we've had her for four years and three times she's gotten out of our yard and people have uh, have um, called us. But we have so she's got our phone numbers on her collar. She's microchipped and then we also have one of these uh, like those. Apple Air tags on her, so we've got some options. But we, the main thing is we got to get this dog to stop jumping out of the yard. Um. Anyway, the <sighs> Seahawks made the playoffs unexpectedly. That's <sighs> the other thing is I. Uh, so my. Basically, I, I took off my day job starting, what was it, December 23rd until January 3rd? Maybe January 2nd? No. I like January 3rd. It's the longest I've ever been off except for uh, many years ago I bruised my tailbone and I missed a full month of work. But other than that, I've never missed that much time. Well, I guess I was, I was also, uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, I also was, um, off for a month. I got laid off. Only time in my life I've ever been laid off. I was on, a uh, 2008 through like 2013, there were some moments where, I can't remember exactly the deal, but there were like programs where if the, if you had furlough hours, the government would pay like, you know, essentially unemployment wages for partial hours. Um, so anyway, uh, I, why did I bring that up? Oh yeah. My, my wife, uh, my daughter was sick at the beginning of, uh, of all that, like, mid-December to my wife was sick she was like sick Christmas Eve and Christmas Day and the days that followed and I thought I had gotten off scot-free with just like mild cold symptoms and then Saturday night I just like could not stop sneezing luckily I've been very lucky where these like I got COVID in a time where I I only had to cancel I think one show um I got this on a day when I didn't have a show I've been very lucky at the timing of when I get sick I haven't had to miss a lot of shows for being sick and uh yeah Saturday I'm just like sneezing up a storm and I take I take NyQuil 
at about 6 p.m. No, I take NyQuil at 5 p.m., fall asleep at 6 p.m., somehow break through it. I have a breakthrough case of the uh, NyQuil at about 8.30. Wake up, do a little bit of, you know, whatever, computer work. Um, pop more NyQuil when the dosage says I could. Uh, then I finally make my way to sleep. Sleep for, you know, a lot of hours. More hours than normal. Didn't fully catch up, but more hours than normal. Lainey, come here. Come here. Come on. Lainey, come on. Lainey, get over here. This dog. Trying to give her more attention to show her that she doesn't need to run away. Lainey, come here. Come on. Hey. Get up here. So yeah, I'm Lainey, come on. So I'm in that uh next day I'm in that NyQuil fog. You ever take NyQuil and you have that that fog the next day where you just feel uh sluggish and tired? And I watched the whole Seahawks game. Actually, that's not even true. Whew. I took a nap from about I put my daughter down for her nap, and then I took a nap from like one to two turn the game on, watch till the end, but I'm just like in a funk, in a, in a haze. My wife, oh, this is the other thing that hasn't been said on the podcast to this point, although I know some, uh, I did tell one set of um, listeners is, oh, my wife and I are having another baby. We're having a, uh, a baby girl in July, which is very exciting. It's uh, It puts a lot of stress on me. It's, you know, I'm like trying to get as much comedy in before it's like a problem as I can. I'm very excited about it, but I'm also, um, boy, does, do these kids create a lot of stress. The first, your first, the pregnancy test goes positive and your first reaction is excited. Well, <laughs> I guess if you're trying to have a kid, your first reaction is excitement. And then you immediately go, oh, fuck. Remember how we had to change our lives completely for a couple of years? I guess we're back to that. Uh, yeah. Fuck. Your boy fucked up. But it'll be all right. I'm going to be very, it'll be very cool. My daughter's, my uh, daughter's very excited to be a big sister. And my wife is already in the nesting phase. We didn't learn from last time. The last time my wife was like adamant, we have to have the, the crib all set up. Everything has to be set up. And then my daughter didn't sleep in her bedroom for a year. And so, uh, this time she's doing the same thing, even though our new daughter is, you know, best case is like a year and a half away from using what will become her bedroom. Um, anyway, I just realized I didn't text my mom back. What a bad son. Let's see. I'm going to text her back right now because in this process, I was offering her some furniture and uh, she said no, but then she, being my mom, um, well, this is bad podcasting. Completely sober, by the way. Drinking water and just a horrible podcaster. Uh, okay, so Seahawks game, um, you know, I mean, it's like the kind of the, the 
I might have said this on an earlier episode, but I feel like the best thing that could have happened to Geno Smith to end the season is like, get a high ankle sprain, something that doesn't affect your long-term status. But I feel like the, a little bit of the shine is coming off of Geno Smith. A little bit of the varnish is coming off. Like he's been a little more of the Geno Smith that we knew in New York with the Giants and Jets and in San Diego than what we saw early in the season. And he still shows flashes. I mean, he threw a ball to Tyler Lockett that was as good of a pass as you can throw. He's he's shown reasons why I think the Seahawks should certainly consider him a short-term starter. Um, but he's also shown, I think, like these interceptions, kind of bad decisions, some accuracy issues, some uh, holding on to the ball too long that plagued Russell Wilson, that plagued Geno Smith early in his career. And uh, the other thing is, by the way, like the Seahawks, the Seahawks team has been given a lot of credit for keeping Geno Smith and identifying some talent in Geno Smith, but also. That means they just let Russell Wilson play while they had this supposedly better quarterback on the bench. <laughs> um, this is my prediction. What the, Se- the Seahawks end up with the number five overall pick. I don't know, I'm bouncing around, by the way. Because the Broncos beat the Chargers, the Seahawks end up with the number five overall pick. And there's four elite prospects, by my estimation, in this year's draft. And it might prove to be less than four. It might be three, depending on how you feel about C.J. Stroud. There's uh, Will Anderson, who's a a defensive end slash rush linebacker from Alabama. There is Bryce Young, quarterback at Alabama. Uh, Jalen Carter, who is a defensive tackle from Georgia. Did I get that right? I didn't watch the game today, so that Jalen Carter. Jalen Carter. Yep, from Georgia. And uh, C.J. Stroud. And now, from what I can tell, there's some... um, There's some question on how you rank those quarterbacks. There's also another dude named uh, Will Levis, Levis, Levi's, from Kentucky, a quarterback that's got more prototypical size than Bryce Young. Uh, maybe whatever more like accurate with similar athleticism to C.J. Stroud, not as strong of an arm. And there seems to be some mixed opinion on this quarterback from Ohio State, C.J. Stroud. And there's also a thing about about C.J. Stroud that I think is like justifiably concerning, which is there have been a bunch of quarterbacks drafted from Ohio State, and none of them have really that I can think of have really made like a major impact, except for Justin Fields. And even Justin Fields played for a Bears team that uh, just got the first overall pick. By the way, if the Bears decide they're going to move on from Justin Fields, which I don't think they will, 
I think he'd be really interesting in Seattle. But I think that the future of the Seahawks will be very easily defined by what they do with that pick, which is to say, I I don't think Pete Carroll's sticking around to draft a quarterback or to develop a quarterback by any stretch of the imagination. I don't think he is. Um, I think if the Seahawks draft a quarterback with that fifth overall pick, to me, the signal that sends is that uh, 2023 is Pete Carroll's last season. If they draft another player, a player that can make an immediate impact, probably on the defensive side of the ball, then I think it doesn't, or they trade back, whatever. I think that that signals that they're going to end up with a veteran quarterback. Maybe it's Geno Smith. Uh, there's a, but there's, it's a good time to be looking for a, uh, like bottom third, decent quarterback, a Geno Smith. Like the the reason I don't think Geno Smith's going to get that big of a contract isn't really like any indictment on Geno Smith. It's more like there's so many quarterbacks in a similar like echelon of quarterbacks that are very likely to be available in some form, right? Like, uh, is Geno Smith that much better than Jared Goff? Is he that much better than Baker Mayfield? Is he that much better than Sam Darnold? Is he that much better than... And it, this might seem crazy because he just took a Seahawks team to the Super Bowl or to the, to the Super Bowl, to the playoffs. But these are... I mean, Goff was a little ways away from getting the... the it was, he led the Lions to a 9-8 and record. Um, the... Obviously, Baker Mayfield has had a tumultuous 12 months, but he showed some promise in Los Angeles. Uh, Sam Darnold has shown some signs of life. Daniel Jones is going to be a free agent. Um, Zach Wilson maybe could be available via trade. Uh, these are there's like there's going to be quarterbacks available. Jimmy Garoppolo, like, is Geno Smith that much better than those guys? Because I think that's what the Seahawks are trying to build a team around is the idea that you don't need an elite talent at the quarterback position if all the other parts of your game are quality or above average. I don't know that I agree with them. I think that's what they're doing, though. And uh, so for them, I don't think that it... I don't, I don't know that it's necessarily important that it's Geno Smith as much as that it's, it's like you know, someone who you can trust to run the system, to run Shane Waldron's system well. And, I mean, by the way, a guy like Baker Mayfield, who's now spent a quarter of a season under Waldron's uh, previous head coach, Sean McVay, maybe you, you know, maybe that bodes well for Baker Mayfield in a Seahawks uniform, and he's still pretty young. The reason I don't think that Geno Smith's going to get paid that much is I just think there's... That, that echelon of quarterback, unless you think he's significantly outside of that echelon, which I do not, but maybe some people do. I do not. If you think he's significantly outside of that echelon, you're probably talking like a $15 million a year guy. Could you? Would you be happy with Geno Smith at two years, $30 million, three years, $45 million? Would you be that much 
less happy with Jimmy Garoppolo at one year, ten million, or or uh, or yeah, Jared Goff at whatever you know something in the in that range. Oh yeah, I think it's. And did Jared Goff play with uh, Shane Waldron? That's actually interesting. He obviously played under McVay in um, in Los Angeles. So I think there's options that the Seahawks have. Why am I rambling about this? I don't really know. I'm tired. I think the Seahawks probably aren't going to make a deep run. It would be a pretty big upset if they beat San Francisco in San Francisco. Um, but pretty successful Caesar. Pretty solid proof of concept for Pete Carroll and John Schneider that they can figure it, figure it out at the quarterback position. I said that the fact that Geno Smith was the starting quarterback was an indictment on the offseason. I was wrong. Is it Drew Locke also, by the way? Drew Locke, uh, I think, is under contract for one more year. These are, these are options. The Seahawks have options. They have cheap options. I'd like to see him pick a developmental quarterback, by the way, and that Stetson Bennett at Georgia has many of the things many of the qualities that made Russell Wilson such an intriguing prospect. Probably not the athlete, probably not the arm talent, probably not the the pedigree. You know, he's like like a poor man's Russell Wilson in every way. Maybe more like a a Gardner Minshew with a better supporting cast. But I think the Seahawks should be drafting a quarterback every year. In fact, that's what John Schneider said. Uh, early in his tenure is that he thought the Seahawks should be drafting a quarterback every year and they haven't been and that's frustrating um you know maybe you wouldn't be in this well I guess what's what is this position though having a pro bowl quarterback that you you know basically have for free let's see what other topics did I want to talk about I I think one other thing no, I didn't. That's it. Uh, Kevin McCarthy. Um, it was a very, very funny road to Kevin McCarthy becoming the Speaker of the House, but I'm going to release this one as a uh, public episode. So I will leave that type of political talk for the ones that we put behind the paywall. Thank you, guys. Uh, please come see me do stand-up comedy on uh, on January 20th. I'm headlining, I think it's called Wild Man Brewing in Raymond um, on February 2nd. I will be headlining the Central Comedy Show, uh, which is, by the way, a show of the Central Cinema, which is a show that I was trying to get on literally since I started comedy. And all it took was for the bookers to lose interest in doing the show at all and to have it be taken over by newer and I would argue comedians with better taste. Thank you. Follow me at the Casey McLean. Check out Road Hacks on YouTube. A uh, new 20-minute set coming out this year, so keep an eye out for that. Thank you for listening, and I will talk to you later.